Hello and welcome to Take 18, a podcast where we love to talk about the movies because we love movies and in this world we love television shows as well. This show is produced by the Central Coast Film Society. My name is Daniel Lair, the founder and executive director of the Central Coast Film Society. So, uh, did you guys happen to see the finale of WandaVision? I mean, there are just a few million people that are doing that today, which is March 5th. Uh, the finale just aired. Um, and we're going to chat with somebody who actually brought a specific scene to life just to show, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, well, it's not probably what you're expecting. <laughs> we're going to be talking with Ralph Cable, who've, whose family owns L.A. Circus, and he is considered to be a tent master uh, with this project and a couple others, which uh, is got the L.A. Circus is literally one of the last circus prop houses left in the business. So if you've seen a circus in a film recently, and you've probably seen their work. Even in Marvel, um, they worked on WandaVision, and they also worked on Captain Marvel in that fair flashback scene that you see. Uh, that was actually shot in Oxnard as well, right here on the Central Coast. So I also want to give kind of a non-spoiler review of what I thought about WandaVision. Not to mention um, the Golden Globes have come out, and uh, 19, COVID-19 restrictions are starting to ease a little bit here on the Central Coast. So will it stick, or more importantly, will we be able to get back to movie theaters soon? We'll dive into that. But before we get into anything else, I just want to remind you, please subscribe so that you can find out uh, when all of our new episodes come out. And of course, you can catch up on our old episodes. There's tons of awesome, awesome content up there, and it is living there. You can check it out anytime you want while we continue to create more content. Now, this podcast is uh, throughout the series. We're going to be having movie news, reviews, and interviews as well. And we just talk about filmmaking techniques and everything. So, without further ado, let's get into it now. So, the Golden Globes happened. Uh, and there was uh, quite a bit of uh, controversy. But, of course, you know, if there's no controversy, then it's not very good television. So uh, the Golden Globes got into that as well, but uh, lots of really great winners um, that happened out there. I, I think, uh, well, I, I'm still scratching my head on how Borat won a few things. Um, I mean, I, I will admit I did not see the sequel. I saw the original, and that was enough for me to say I am not going to watch the sequel. Uh, that's, that's just how it works, and somehow it won Golden Globes. And uh, there you go. But uh, I think the moment of the evening goes to um, the widow of Chadwick Boseman. And, and he his performances are, of course, amazing. But the touching tribute that his widow, his wife, um, did for it was uh, pretty, pretty unique and special. And uh, I really appreciated that. The, the it was it was interesting watching the show in COVID-19 world because you know everything is done through Zoom and I thought it was pretty funny to actually see the uh just the show itself and the way it was formatted with how people are on different coasts you know um in talking and doing it live and hey is this thing on and <laughs> no you know and part of it is you know we have our awkward zoom calls right now in our daily lives and we don't really feel comfortable and i think they felt the same way you know live tv is pretty tricky as it is so i think this was just another 
added element of, you know, maybe almost humanity of seeing our favorite celebrities just uh, be as awkward as us on Zoom. But uh, yeah, really great uh, films. And I'm going to be honest, I have not seen 80% of them. The uh, reason being is that, of course, with COVID-19, you need a lot of extra uh, subscription services and things like that. And it's just it's hard for people out there. And I, I think for the first time in a long time that a lot of the excitement for what was nominated at the Golden Globes, I think for the first time ever, it's actually the television series and the miniseries that um, probably were more popular than the films that came out. And that goes to show with The Crown and uh, Schitt's Creek, which is hysterical. Um, and I'm, I'm so glad and, and happy for their wins because those shows are amazing. Uh, definitely, definitely want to check them out. Um, Soul won for uh, Best Animated uh, Feature, and, and that is also an amazing animated uh, film from Pixar. And I, I'm, uh, I thought that was just outstanding stuff there were you know of course there are things that that came out that you're kind of like oh well didn't win you know like mandalorian <clears throat> but you know <laughs> it's all right uh I, I i overall you know i think everybody's performances were pretty awesome um the queen's gambit uh is definitely awesome everything you know on netflix netflix has definitely been raising the bar on on their on their work so it's pretty awesome to see that a company that up until recently was just a movie rental company where you sent in your DVDs in the mail and then you waited until they'd come back and mail you new ones. Uh, That wasn't that long ago, guys. (laughs) It's just amazing where Netflix has come in, uh, in just dominating, not just, you know, their industry, but in creating content as well. So I definitely think that's very cool. Also on the home front here now, uh, kind of switching gears a little bit, that COVID-19 is, um, you know, the vaccines are out, people are starting to get them, and the rates are going down, which means little by little things are kind of returning to normal. And here on the Central Coast, um, San Luis Obispo County just got into the red tier. And if you don't know California's tiering system on the COVID restrictions, uh, there's a color system involved in purple which is what everybody was in was is the highest and red is now it's restricted but um like movie theaters are now able to be open in san luis obispo county at 25 percent capacity or 100 or whatever is uh fewer 100 people um which is good news i I, it's you know it's there's not a lot of films coming out right now that can make it into theaters but right now it's uh should be interesting to see, you know, if by maybe April or May more things are progressing as, you know, we're now in the first part of March. The vaccines were coming out first part of January. So two months in, we dropped down a tier. Another two months, are we going to drop down another tier? Maybe, hopefully. Um, so we're keeping an eye on that and just seeing what's going to happen and uh, uh, whether or not movies are going to return to the theaters. And One of the questions people keep asking, though, is do you think that people are going to want to come back to the theater? Do you think that maybe they've all gotten spoiled by how um, how being at home is just so much easier for for folks and how, uh, you know, they don't need to get 
<laughs> well, they don't need to get dressed. They don't need to do anything except for just sit on their couch, turn on the TV and enjoy. And there's nothing wrong with that. Personally, for me, I feel like going to the movies is a not just a cultural, but a human experience. I think that when we go and we see stories being told, you know, and uh, we are we are having a shared experience with that. And I, I always kind of bring it back to being akin to people sitting around a campfire back in the ancient days and having storytellers tell stories. And that was the only way that stories were told back then. And I think there's something that's similar about that. Instead of sitting around you know, a campfire, we're sitting in a dark room staring at a blank wall and having light projected on it and sound pumped into our ears. And it's it's this amazing experience that we get and we can lean over and nudge people and be like, did you see that? Or all of a sudden, uh, you know, when people are laughing, that laugh is infectious in a comedy. Or when people are terrified and you see other people cringing and hiding, there's something to it. And there's something palpable about that. And I, I that's why I believe that theaters are not going away. You are still going to have people going. Um, I will be going. That's just me. Uh, and, and there's been a, a big push on how to open up theaters safely. And we, we've kind of touched base on that before. Uh, and and I, I think that we will open up safely and we will be getting back to that sooner rather than later because May 7th, it is still listed for Black Widow um, to come out in, in theaters. And that is uh, Marvel's next film that would be coming out into theaters and it, there's not really been any talk whether or not it's going to go to disney plus because of course there has been uh that other show wandavision that came out so um i think this is probably a great time to segue into it and we're going to talk about uh how marvel has reached the 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 small screen but it definitely was something that was of big screen stature and we will get into that um and we have our guest, Ralph Cable. He's going to be coming up. But just before we get into it, I, I saw the finale uh, tonight. Uh, I guess I would call it this morning. I stayed up, you know, till after midnight and watched it. That's a, you know, a perk of living here on the Central Coast, on the West Coast, is that everything is uh, midnight for us. And um, the show itself, if you haven't seen it, it there is so much backstory to these characters that if you are just coming in out of the blue to watch this show you're probably going to be going, what the heck is going on here? This is, I, I am so lost and mesmerized by just kind of the abs- absurdity of, of things going on and, and how things are changing. And so you definitely need some backstory on it. And, and there's no other way to do that than to just go back and do the whole MCU which is a disadvantage to, um, I think, viewers of this. But I think Marvel has such a huge following now, you know, with uh, after Endgame being, you know, the highest grossing motion picture ever. Um, it, it's, it, it has such a following that people are invested in these characters now. And to bring it into a different format, I think, was brilliant. I think the way they did it was brilliant. I loved all the different stories and episodes of how they went to different sitcoms and different television shows. Again, I'm, I'm not going to get into spoilers here about uh, what I thought about the show. I just, I'm saying it, it very well done in the level of detail, the level of writing and organization that was going into everything. Everything was put there for a very specific purpose. 
and a lot of it gets revealed towards the end. I will say with the finale that came out, I was left wanting more. I was so mad that it's just nine episodes for the entire series. And it, it, it definitely leaves you longing for more. There's You're not going to get all the questions answered. I, I will say that. Um, you're going to have maybe even new questions that you didn't think about. Like, what? <laughs> I think that was my 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 first official uh, response after watching it was just going, what? No, what? no. Um, and uh, which is good because, you know, this show is is actually supposed to be setting up. It's supposed to just kick down the door, open up the floodgates of a whole new world and possibilities and things that are happening in the MCU as they go forward. And the next films to be coming out, it's Doctor Strange 2. Uh, in the multiverse of madness, which will feature the characters of uh, the show of the Scarlet Witch, and then um, and then it goes into uh, Spider-Man Three, which is now Far From Home, um, and that will also be tapping into the multiverse kind of thing. Um, whether or not the multiverse is uh, brought up here in WandaVision, that's for you to see. But it's something that is going in that direction, obviously, we know, with the titles of those other movies that have been released. So um, that is something to watch for. Uh, again, if you love these characters, if you love Paul Bettany's vision, um, the, the, this is bring the Kleenex. Uh, it, it is it is a highly emotional uh, thing, and it's amazing that he can put so much emotion into a you know, a robot essentially is what his character is. And it is, it is filled with love. Um, I think you can, you can see that from the, the actor's portrayal of these characters. They love these characters. They love doing it. And um, I think that's why they're still doing it. It's, they've been doing this for a very long time now and it doesn't look like they're slowing down to stop anytime soon. So uh, that being said, I think uh, you got to see it. You got to see it. You got to see what everyone's talking about. It's kind of like, you know, the Mandalorian. Everyone's got baby Yoda running around. And if somebody says, no, it's Grogu, you're going to be like, huh? Who? No, it looks like a baby Yoda. No, it's Grogu. Anyways, that's that's a different show, different time. But right now, let's get into our interview with Ralph Cable, tent master, who is responsible for uh, helping put up the circus tents and uh, during a, a very specific scene. And um, don't want to get into it too much, but I, we will have slight spoilers there that there is a circus scene. And uh, so some mild spoilers ahead for you guys when we talk about uh, why is there a circus here? So, anyways, all right, let's bring in Ralph. All right, and we are joined by Ralph Cable with LA Circus. Uh, Ralph, how are you doing? Great, great. <laughs> so, Ralph, um, we're talking uh, uh, to you about the 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 circus business, and and your dad is the guy who's kind of behind everything here, right? With the uh, with LA Circus. Yeah, he was a. Uh, um retired circus performer him and my stepmom she she was a uh, trapeze aerialist and he was a um foot juggler actually and and as the circuses when i was a kid we traveled a lot with sh different shows and they and circuses kind of died out there you know the insurance and and it was more and more difficult and so it was kind of a natural evolution you kept getting calls by uh, commercials and different different uh, tv shows and he slowly 
started building building the clientele and today he's pretty much the guy that la uh, la circus company the prop house um does many many films um and you guys supply um, like everything right like from tents to props to do you do costumes or like yeah there's a we have a uh, he has a uh a wardrobe person that does some some of the costume work uh, in a lot of the movies that's it, it's it's kind of hit and miss but he has done soup to nuts wardrobe circus props all of it ring curb um all the miscellaneous you know parts and pieces of a, a sideshow and uh, right. even has some old automobiles some vintage stuff there's a there's kind of a demand for um uh, era period era stuff that's that's more difficult for um for art um, art directors and we work typically with the art directors um looking for a certain vintage um materials right so you can you can cover basically all different time periods of uh circus circus levels but i mean i, I want to get back to did i hear you right you you grew up with the circus basically yeah, my parents were uh, circus performers. Uh, he actually, classic story. He ran away when he was 16 years old, 16, 17. Wow. Ran away and joined Ringling, and wow. his um, he developed a, a foot juggling act. Um, huh. I'll send you the link to one of his <laughs> one of the last last performances. And uh, he's always he was always kind of the the superintendent. You know, the superintendent uh, would would hire the crew and and make sure the tent gets put up and taken down and packed away and um you know it's a large operation there was sure. a, these are large large circuses uh 100 and, 150 175 foot long by 75 foot wide tops wow i mean it's seat thousands four or five thousand people yeah that's that's crazy and and so you you grew up you you got a first-hand look at that um, and, and so now your dad, um, he runs all this and, and that, uh, does he have like when, when a, when a production comes to him, like, how do they know to even approach him in the first place? Like, how did he get involved in this? You know, was, was there something that kickstarted it or was it, you know, no, I'm, I'm going to do circus for movie stuff. Like how did that decision? Fall? Well, you know, it, w w what's interesting is with WandaVision, the, um, gosh, what was that guy? He wasn't the. One of the lead um, set deck uh, supervisors actually was one of the gentlemen that worked with, with him um, on a film with the Howard Hughes film, hmm. the, the one with Leonardo DiCaprio. So the they aviator. set up yeah. the aviator. Yeah, they set up the aviator shot and they were up um, high desert. And oh, I, I believe it was somewhere above north of, um, of, of the L.A. basin of, mm -hmm. of the Inland Empire. And so they had a lot of wind issues and t tops were blowing down. And so they got his word of mouth, word of mouth. They contacted him. And so he, um, he helped them guy out their tents and um, fortify everything so that it would hold up. And the Santa Ana's were blown in the, in the summer, of course. Right. And so that was the same art director that called him out for, um, for WandaVision. I mean, the art, the, it's a small world kind of prop houses. There's not that many prop houses out there. There's um, it's interesting though. When you look at, uh, most TV series or um, shows, they end up with a scene at a fair or a carnival or a circus. And most shows have an episode where they 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 dabble in that. So um, with the Wandavision shot, that was that was in uh, near uh, Peachtree City, 
Georgia. Yeah, in- yeah. So tell yeah, tell me about that because how did that go to to Georgia? Because I believe like the the town part of it, the back lot, isn't that at the Disney Ranch in uh, in L.A. area? Yeah, I, I wasn't aware of that shot, but yeah, okay. it, it may have been. They, I know a lot of it was filmed in Georgia just because Georgia offers superb tax credits. Yeah, so the, yeah. the studio companies obviously make um, well, they generate mo- a lot of revenue. Oh, yeah, and a lot of the Marvel things have been shot out there in Atlanta. You know, everything from uh, the Avengers movies, it, it, it's all kind of out there right now. So it's definitely a a new kind of little mini Hollywood boom area for sure. You guys had to pack up everything and, and, and because you're based out of Riverside, correct? Yeah. The, 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 the inner quarters is at Riverside. Yeah. And, uh, so we basically on that shot, they loaded everything. There was, um, there was two tents and probably 20 10 by tens and a bunch of props and it all fit, you know, they played Tetris and got all the fit into one large semi 60 footer, um, you know, top to top to bottom. I think everything was in there in Um, just one semi, one, one semi load. And, uh, they, the, um, production company, of course, arranged for the transportation. Uh, we met them out there. It was, it was, it was in February. So it was pretty cold. It was, uh, there were some sub zero days out there and it was, um, Wow, raining pretty hard, and, and at a couple different times, a couple downpours. So, what rain's always a challenge because of, of tent stakes. Mm. So, uh, we brought out um, for that shot. We had uh, 30, 38 to forty foot um, wooden stakes. They're about three, four inches in diameter with a metal ring. And wooden stakes, uh, unlike metal stakes, obviously, once you pound them in, and, the, and even if the ground gets a little soft, mm-hmm. they'll absorb water and swell up, and they and they hold, really hold well in inclement weather and, and muddy conditions. How long does it typically take for you to set up something like we saw on, on WandaVision? You know, and, and is there like a, a map that the art director has planned out? Like, because I can imagine, you know, the way that the, the stories unfold for, for circuses, there's very specific places they need to be able to see with the camera um how is that planned out well they start out with a cad drawing um what was interesting about that shot was where they wanted to put everything they didn't realize uh, the footprint size so once we started to lay out the lot we typically start with small stakes and string and and chalk and we kind of you know you kind of rough it out for the client yeah and they'll look at it and go ah you know 10 foot that way or 10 foot this way and you want to do that before you set it up obviously because taking it down but um what was interesting about that shot was they wanted the angles there was a the the, the one episode was um mirrored a army base so if you remember the scene with the army base tents were kind of large right they wanted the the angles up to the sun to be the same so that was one of the first times we'd ever had to get a compass and figure out the angle of the sun and and then really you know we're about a mile away from the other spot but they wanted everything so when the sun crested over, the time of the day shot would be the same um, angle. That's so incredible. that was kind of a unique I, experience. Yeah, I had no idea that, that it was down to that detail level of uh, being as you know precise with what the, uh, the, the army camp um, setup would be. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, you, the, the level of detail fascinates me when you're on the, on the set and all the, the work and painstaking um, just finish work. We talk about setup, you know, setting up the tent and laying out the stakes takes, you know, two or three hours and then setting the tent up. You can do you can do it in a day with a good crew on a big top and a big tent. 
but then all the all the the miscellaneous dressing the set dressing and, yeah. the, and the small little props and and you set that stuff up and you inevitably inevitably move them one or you know one once or twice but um it just it's it's amazing and then you'll see the shot and you go wow four minutes or three minutes of film <laughs> right and you're right going, man all that we were there for two weeks right wow um, and then, and then you know when you're on set like that in inclement weather especially it's a it's a you know 12 14 hour a day thing you're out there walking around checking you know constantly checking out guys and looking for water pockets out there we had you know water pockets in the tents it was dumping three or four inches of rain in one storm and so you had to we had to make sure we had everything very taut and and so drum like so that the water the water doesn't pocket in the edge because it'll it'll blow out the tent wow really and so you know you yeah. No, I'm I'm just because I'm trying to remember like the the scene from WandaVision that that you you know they're out there and I I it didn't look stormy to me like were you guys sitting around waiting for the weather No, no, to clear? they they caught the weather. They caught they caught it just right in between a storm. Wow. But it rained on both sides of it. Um <laughs> what was interesting about that shot, first time ever, uh, th- there's one one uh shot that's uh, kind of far back. You know, I think it was a crane, it was a back backdrop and there's actually a creek that ran through the back of the red and white tent. And so we, we had to actually, I got about uh, the set deck guys got pallets for me. We had to stack up pallets to put the side poles on. There's three sets of poles on a big top. There's, there's side poles, quarter poles and center poles. Mm-hmm. Well, the side poles were in the creek. And so we stacked up these pallets and we aimed the open part of the pallet in the creek so that when it, when it rained, the water would flow through the pallet. <laughs> so it's kind of a trip. So you, so we, it worked out great, but I mean, I'm looking at that going, man, that's a trip. Cause we, we got the elevation of the side poles. You want them all the same elevation. You don't want it to, to, to go down three or four feet on one and the other. Cause then right. you, know, you get pocket, you get pockets again, right? If you get slack in pockets and there's heavy rain, that's always a problem. Wow. Um, and there was wind. It was, it was pretty windy. So there's a, there's one little video clip I sent, um, where one of the first things you do, obviously, you, you drive all your stakes, and then you lay your you lay your you lay your fabric and your canvas out, and you lace it together because it comes in sections. Mm-hmm. And it was so windy; it was actually blowing the tent three or four feet, flopping it up in the air, which I'd, I'd never seen that before wow. in all my decades of working on tents. But it was just windy enough, and and it made it oddly enough, it made it relatively easy to get the side poles in because it was it was acting like a kite. Wow. So it, it, I was just trying to think like you guys are literally setting it up probably just the exact same way that a normal circus would then at that point, once you've got everything laid out where you need to go or, is, well, what, or do what, you guys what, have special what, tricks that you're, you're doing? Well, you know, now, nowadays we, we do dry sticks by hand with sledgehammers. Um, uh, but then the, the, the proponents of the, we have a custom stake driver rig, which is basically a concrete breaker with a special adapter for stakes. Because these, you can imagine these wooden stakes, oh, they yeah. don't go in easy, especially <laughs> if there's clay. So we, right. we have a bobcat, you know, we we'll use a bobcat and pound them in with a with a bobcat with a special attachment. Um, and then of course anything that's on that creek we had to do by hand. Um, but uh, it was um, that was a tough gig just because it was so cold, windy, rainy. Great crew though. The set deck crew was awesome. Those guys are some of the best. They were so easy to train. There's, you know, there's different skill sets and levels, but, uh, the crew in Georgia was, it was a great, 
very motivated uh, crew. I think we had about three or four loaned out to us. It was just um, a couple of us as tent masters, as they call us, and then yeah. we use help to to set everything up. So, so that one, we we got the the uh, the angles right on the tents, and then set everything up. And um, they moved. They had to move a lot of sea trains or containers, forty foot containers for to kind of block different angles. Um, hmm from uh, from seeing things they didn't want to see i mean it was right up against the studio so they really they wanted to block block a lot of the studio um, stuff this is and this was right before covid right um so this was uh, february of 19 yeah okay um so you got, and tell me what because this show is is a marvel property and i think anything that you know it's like marvel or lucasfilm at this point they keep things pretty tight lipped on what's going on what was it like with like the security on there and getting things through and and then were you even able to talk about like you were out there doing this or what how did that go no yeah there's no there's no you're, you're not supposed to send uh, any any picture you're not supposed to take pictures you're not supposed to talk about it in fact they had a code name for the you know code name for the shot so we didn't even i didn't really know what it was until we got out there um so there's, you know, you sign uh, non-disclosures sure. pretty much to keep everything locked down. What one of the interesting things about that business, so the prop, the prop business, is that, um, in fact, you can even tell in in this shot, they actually CGI'd a couple pictures of the tents and duplicated them in another angle. So it oh, looks yeah. there's more of them than there actually was. So huh. one of the things that. Um, um, they're they're thinking about legal is to is to ask for royalties if they use those in other other movies right um so when but you know initially when you sign a contract to do a job i think i think you sign all those rights away but in the future but that's interesting that that there's even a a clause in there about having to duplicate props you know and 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 yeah and i don't that property right I, i don't know if it was in there or not but i would assume that and, and I, I would I would assume that they have the right to do whatever they want with the um, yeah they sc- they scanned everything so I'm sure that you know they that they paid for those props they scanned them and and use them how they would now did you have um, any idea what was going on when you were there like did, you guys you probably didn't even get a script you just kind of were told set up here or how did that go well the the the, the art director is is pretty in the know of what's yeah. going on they'll explain they, they explain that there was going to be a hex coming through and converting all the military stuff into circus stuff and there's okay. a couple I- interesting um many times they'll ask for things that are very difficult to do like on the carousel um on the carousel shot they actually wanted to put lights and flags to the top point of the carousel and then they wanted it turning well mm. the pull on the carousel spins at the carousel <laughs> right so you know, we looked at that and thought, well, we can we can make that a static point. We had to, you know, we had to. If we said, okay, do we really want to do that? <laughs> it's possible. We just need a minute to figure it out, oh, right. and we got to got to get some material and make a couple Home Home Depot runs to 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 rig something to where it can it can it can pivot. Yeah. So. Um, and then and then there's always. I'm sorry. Go ahead. So they changed their mind on that. In the end, they they liked the look without it. So it's always interesting, based on who the um, you know the art. There's like the there's the art director, then there's the artists. There, there's different uh, minions that help kind of <laughs> dictate look and yeah. feel and all that. And were you there for the actual shoot, or did they clear the set, or 
How did, what was that like? Yeah, we usually are there um, sometimes as extras, actually, and, oh. and sometimes just uh, standby. We're standbys just because, it you know, wind could come in, inclement weather. So we, we actually walk the tent line, the stake line constantly every every couple of hours mm. and you're looking for you know stakes that are pulling you know you look for, you know that you have to guy out the nature of canvas um as it heats up and cools down it gets slack or tight and you've got to kind of keep an eye on it oh wow okay um, yeah you want to keep it in the air you want to keep it safe you want to keep all the people safe around it so you just have to um and we check it uh, three or four times, uh, you know, we were out there in the dark with rain gear on and walking around. And yeah, so were you pre- uh, were you pretty stoked to see your final project uh, or your the the work in the in shows like this? Oh yeah, it's always fun. That was that was really cool. I mean, I remember all the scenes, watch all the scenes yeah. get filled f- filmed, and um, uh, they did a they did a good job uh, the 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 way they did the flow. I think they pulled it off. I mean, from the vision they had with the storyboard to the execution i think it was i think it was spot on nice uh what, what other or what are some of the other big projects you've worked gone and helped set up we did uh the other the last big one before this was uh world's greatest showman um that was an interesting one there was a scene after the museum burnt down they moved under under canvas towards the end of the movie hmm. and so we set we set up a real large tent uh, oddly enough it was it was that was in um January, February time frame filmed in Brooklyn and uh, they filmed it in this armory hmm. um, and this armory was a whole city block and it was it was an interesting building. It was built in the 1860s at the time and they they built munitions and tanks. This is this must have been for World War One, I, I would guess, eight, you know, the, the late 1800s. Yeah. All brick steel. And the, the, the inside of the roof on this thing was. It had to have been 75 feet tall. So we actually set a tent up inside of a building. Huh. Wow. So, um, and then at some point on, on that shot, they wanted the top of the tent opened. In other words, <laughs> they didn't want, so they wanted to be able to, to have different apparatus above it with lights and aerial cams. This is for a lot of the aerial shots with, with the one actress, I forget her name. And so we actually had to figure out how to assemble it. The, yeah, we had to we had to yeah. we had to um, rig a bunch of aircraft cable and and uh, rigging to to make it safe and strong without canvas, mm-hmm. um, which we never had done before. And we figured all that out and got it to got it set up. But it was a huge, huge building. Um, in fact, they were telling me that the first floor, the basement rather, had a had a tunnel that they could they could actually have troops go all the way underground to um hudson hudson river i guess yeah and it was it was from where we were it must have been three quarters of a mile away the the basement was all locked up but um when we uh would get uber or whatever from our hotel we'd say brooklyn armory and they'd go oh yeah everybody knew where that was (laughs) (laughs) and this thing was massive it was a massive whole city block um and so that one you know they had some horse acts they brought in um the zopas were there which are some of my family's my cousins on my mom's side and um that's really they, they uh they, they, i think that was 
that was probably only a few minutes. That might have been five or eight minutes of filming um, in the end. Yeah, the uh, final final product that you see in in the finished film is is very small compared to what you you feel like you're putting all that effort and work into. Um, I have one other question that you know you were talking about uh, the horses. I'm thinking about animals. How does how does that work with what you guys have? You you probably stay as far as far away from those guys as possible, right? Yeah, you know, now a lot of it is CGI. In fact, I think even, I want to say, even in um, World's Greatest Showman, that they CGI'd uh, everything. I, I think, you know, be, there's a, uh, now because of a lot of the um, insurance and sure. um, limitations from PETA, they, they CGI'd everything. But um, there was a time when I was a kid and we used to set up tents that, you know, we use um, um, bobcats and, uh, you know, track, small track, uh, bobcats to pull center poles up. Mm -hmm. It wasn't unusual back in the seventies that they'd have an elephant with a harness and a chain. And then they just drag, they'd, they drag huge loads, um, effortlessly. I mean, an elephant weighs like four or 5,000 pounds. So then dragging eight or, you know, five or 600 pound pulley or something was, was minimal. Huh. Wow, crazy! But those days are those days are long gone. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well. Then it seems like the circus is kind of becoming a, a thing of the past too these days. You know, which it's a little unfortunate. Um, you know, I remember going all the time as a kid, and uh, you know, just having having a great time and with all those memories. Um, but it's really cool that that's something that you guys have come from a background of, and in a way, it's you're continuing it on, which is really neat because in a way, I mean, you guys are kind of ensuring that the way that circuses used to be, or at least portrayed in somewhat, you know, the, the way it, it should be on film and, you know, film is forever in a way, you know, that those, those images won't go away. Yeah. There, there was a really good historic, I call it historical cir- circus perspective. And it was a movie we did called um, water for elephants. Oh yeah. That was yeah. with uh, Pattinson and uh, uh, Reese Witherspoon. Right. And that one was a uh, 1930s era, I think, 40s. And so um, we had some big tents, and that we, did, we filmed a lot of that in Piru, Fillmore area. And mm-hmm. uh, great. Uh, and it's interesting because normally when we do shoots, it's a day or two or three days, and you really don't develop much of a relationship with the, you know, with the extras and 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 the cast. And God, we were on that one for like three months. I think really? I, I, was, I was on set for probably three or four weeks solid so on that one uh i had to train um 25 extras there's a stake driving scene so i had to train 25 extras to drive stakes and they wanted they wanted at least three guys on a stake so if you can imagine you know a 16 pound sledge and there's three guys and and you're timing so it's you know tink 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 wow you you can and you do an overhead your your overhead um with the swing and with where where the camera's moving too yeah, so you've got a, the timing. It's all about timing. So first practice, I had 45 extras. Um, and on that one, they broke 17 handles. Oh, and I remember the prop master being all upset because, <laughs> you know, he, he had the handles all aged. And I go like, dude, stop aging the handles till we get these guys trained. And so then the second practice. And then um, in the end, I started realizing that the one of, I had this I had this A team of guys who were really good. I, they were naturals. And I... And they were talking about golfing. So I realized, oh, my God, the golfers are the guys that are like super easy to train. So I started 
looking for people. I, I was walking around set trying to constantly find golfers. And um, <laughs> mini golf and does not end, apply. Yeah, and in the end, we we, we got we got the, we pulled the scene off, and uh, it it turned it turned out as a trolley scene where they trolley across five stakes. We had five guys on a stake on five stakes, and it it looked um, it was pretty cool. I mean, just driving stakes like that is just kind of a it's a rhythmic. It's just it's 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 just hard to teach. It's you know it's yeah. it's easy enough to do in theory, but it took a lot of practice. Oh, very cool. So, so on one of the, um, I was desperate to find people. So I I used to hang out by the break, break tent, and people would come in and out, and I'd say, hey, have you tried out? You tried out? So this this one gentleman walks up, and I said, have you tried out? You know, of course he walks up and asks for for coffee, and I said, you know, the coffee's over there, and and he had an accent. English. I thought it was a New Zealand accent. I goes, are you a Kiwi? And he said, no, no, I'm English, mate. And I'm like, oh man, I, I, you don't like to, <laughs> English people like to be accused of being New Zealanders. He goes, that's right. That's, that's kind of not a good thing. And so then I, um, so I asked him, have you tried out? Have you, have you tried driving station? He goes, oh no, my handler hasn't said anything about that scene. And I'm like, handler? Cause he was dressed up like a, a townie or a roadie, you know, he had theatrical dirt in his face. And yeah. And then I looked and I, and I started to think, wait a minute, he looks familiar. So I called my wife and said, does Rob Pattinson have an English accent? And she goes, yeah, it's from England. I go, oh, okay. So that made sense. That was, it was, <laughs> I didn't even know it was Pattinson. And uh, he got all nervous and kind of scurried back to his handler. And, yeah. <laughs> so he never did, I never did get him to try out, but. Uh, <laughs> That's funny. Well, um, any, anything, uh, on the horizon you guys are, are working on or any, anything, uh, coming up? I mean, with COVID and everything being shut down, but I, I think productions are. Yeah, it's been to... slow. They, they, they yeah. just, I think they just did something in Santa Clarita for a, a TV series. It was a small, it was a couple of tents. Yeah. Um, was, I think it was medicine man or something. I forget the name of the show, but they, you know, we've done corporate parties. Um, okay. there's sometimes there'll be a, a talk show and somebody will come and they'll want a, a knife board, you know, the board you, you spin. Oh and yeah. So yeah. And they'll throw they'll rent different props like that. So they did a couple of those, but it has been um, increasingly slow. They did some sequestration in uh, Pinewood studios in Georgia, huh. which is where they, they test everybody. Yeah. They wait 24 hours. Right. And they test them again and, they, and then they let it, they turn them loose in the studio so they don't leave for 30 days. They've done some of that. But wow. I think they're going to start to open it back up again. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, I don't know about what they got coming up right now. It, it, it's interesting too because you would think that in that business, everything is very detailed and planned far in advance. And, and many, many times we don't know to the last, I don't know, two weeks before it's locked down. It's, it's interesting. Um, because of budgets and timing and um, yeah well it's, uh, it, and it, it's interesting you know like you, you guys are a prop house because uh you know the the technical classification of a prop is anything that's not nailed down to the set and i mean a circus is <laughs> it it's never nailed down that's the whole point of it is it it's all everything's a prop everything can pick up and go anywhere it needs to be um you know that was i just think that's really kind of funny um but uh, yeah, so I mean, it's it's a fascinating uh, uh, line of work to to say the least, you know, of just being able to go and set up these tents, and uh, I mean, and to have something from all different periods. I mean, that's that's a that's a lot of stuff that you guys can be able to provide, which is really really cool. So, 
Very nice. Yeah, and the and the era stuff too on the center poles. We know we have aluminum pole that slide together and sleeve, and they're I don't know they're seventy. I think they're seventy footers. Yeah, 60, 60 to seventy footers, depending on which tendon it is. But on the er- period stuff, many times it's wood. <laughs> so still it, way, and still doing wood. It's way heavier, way yeah. heavier to deal with, as you can imagine. Wow. Wow, very cool. All right. Well, Ralph, I think that's about all the time we have for uh, right now. But I just want to say thanks for stopping by and chatting with us because, I mean, this it's awesome. And, and that scene from WandaVision, I think, uh, definitely made a made a statement when when your guys' tent showed up. Where everybody's like, oh, wow, that's insane that now it's a circus. Um, but uh, love it. it. It's so much fun. So thank you, Ralph, for stopping by. Sure. No problem. <laughs> And that's going to be it for us here on Take 18, a wrap, if you will. And I just want to say thank you again to Ralph for coming by. That's just an awesome experience and what an awesome family job. That's so cool. Uh, be a lo- on the lookout here. We've got some announcements that are going to be coming out really soon. It, and I, I don't want to give too much away right now, but you student filmmakers out there, listen carefully because there's going to be some news coming out in the next few days and it's going to be awesome. That's all I got to say about that. So thanks again for listening. This has been a production of the Central Coast Film Society, a 501c3 organization. We can't make the show or anything else that we do without your generous support. Our supporters, uh, you can make a difference by either making a donation or purchasing a membership or just attending any of our events. You can visit, of course, our website, centralcoastfilmsociety.org at any time for more information, or you can sign up for the newsletter. But one of the best and easiest ways is to just follow us on social media. And of course, thank you for listening all the way to the end. Uh, Take 18 is doing great. You guys are awesome. The word is getting out and you can really just help us by sharing and caring. (laughs) Thank you so much, guys. I hope you have a great day. Uh, Enjoy WandaVision. It is a fun ride for sure. Thank you so much. And that's a take.